place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Comics now. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies and see. I'm just a Okie dokie, alrighty then, hello there, you are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 67, covering New Comic Book Day, August 10th. Thank you so much for joining, and this particular episode is a radioactive spider bite of comic book good stuff. Thank you so much for joining in. Please tell a friend to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. Thank you so much for my buddy Nick Papa George for doing our fantastical Sunspots Comics theme song. Absolutely love it. Please check him out. He's an amazing musician at facebook.com slash popdees and Instagram at pop underscore dees. Thank you to my son Justin Jables Latori for his work on our Sunspots Comics blog on our website. Please check it out. It is blog.sunspotscomics.com. And follow him on Instagram, at JustLAKings. His uh, next one coming up is on the Suicide Squad movie, which we actually discussed it, sort of reviewed it, on issue number 66, the last podcast posted, so check that out as well. So let's jump right into the Sunspots Comics podcast, issue number 67, right out the bat with just some things floating around in my nerd brain. The wife and I, and my friend Mike Norris and his lovely wife, recently just saw Star Trek Beyond. And uh, just a mini spoiler alert, I'm not going to... I mean, if you're just a just a stickler for 0.0 spoilers, there's a smidge, but that's all. Um, but it's it was a fantastic movie. I'm not historically the biggest Star Trek fan, but the modern movies are amazing. They're fantastic. And this one, with the passing of Leonard Nimoy and that tragic death of the young actor Anton Yelchin just already kind of put me in this kind of emotional place with this movie also hearing about the San Diego Comic-Con the the way that they showed the movie outside and all the actors were there and there was this memoriam to Leonard Nimoy and Anton Yelchin it just uh, carried this little bit of emotional weight but putting that aside the movie was just action-packed full of fantastic sci-fi story it was really at its core and at its heart. It's about leadership. It's about team unity. And it's just prevalent throughout the entire movie. And so I loved it. I give it five out of five sunspots. It's a buy for me. And I'm, I don't even own the Heart of Darkness uh, part two of the modern movies. I'm going to go get that. And this as well when it comes out. So fantastic. Couldn't uh, just tell you, uh, just urge you enough to go see it. I know it's like just about to leave the theaters. So hurry up and get out there if you haven't already seen it. But it's fantastic, and I shouldn't have waited as long as I did, but it was amazing. So, so sweet, so good. And the next thing on my nerd brain is the Suicide Squad soundtrack. Go get it. It is amazing. It is full of sort of modern rap artists, and I'm I'm not a gigantic rap fan, but it's this just pairs very well with the movie. The very first track right out the get-go is just uh, talking about the Suicide Squad and talking about the 
the Lamborghini, the purple Lamborghini, and I don't know, it just it just feels right, it fits right. It also has just a, a couple of tracks in there with just a very kind of cool, vibey, laid-back kind of tone, and I really liked all of it, like every single track. There is even a the, um, the Queen song, Bohemian Rhapsody, covered, and that is fantastic, spot on, and I tell you, it's just... It's just high quality. It's a great soundtrack. It's worth the money. Check it out. It's fantastic. Also on my nerd lobes is Disney Infinity 3.0. I played on my Xbox One and I just got the Rise of the Empire from actually redeeming some Disney movie reward points, which I definitely recommend the Disney rewards program if you are a buyer of Blu-rays, etc. It's so nice that it just racks up points there and you could redeem them for all kinds of fun stuff. It had the Disney Infinity playset. I know they canceled the game, so it's it's the Disney Infinity products have become much uh, lower in price, which is nice, but they could still go lower, I think. But this Rise of the Empire, the it's sort of an episode four of the of the series, and it comes with the Death Star crystal gameplay uh, cube and the uh, Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and Disney Infinity playable figures, and I find it fantastic. It's nostalgic, it has the crawl at the beginning, and I love that the sort of entire team is together at the beginning of episode four, uh, New Hope. I mean, Han is there, everyone is there. <laughs> it's They just kind of keep the group together in this game, which is kind of nice. And uh, graphically, it's just it's spot on, and the John Williams soundtrack playing throughout the game is uh, just puts you right there. And it's just a ton of fun. I even found, and I posted this on Instagram recently, that as I was wandering around Jabba's palace, there is a Jar Jar in carbonite on the wall. I took a picture of it. He has these sort of artifacts of his favorite artifacts displayed on the wall inside of Jabba the Hutt's palace. And there Jar Jar is entombed in carbonite. So I just got a chuckle from it. I took a picture and posted it on Instagram. Check it out at Sunspots Comics. And oh, also, uh, just a reminder, this is also still floating around my nerd brain because I did get a couple of people that have submitted their work that I am doing, I'm spending uh, some time and also have a sort of a new segment, if you will, spotlighting brand new independent, you know, up up and coming comic book creators from artists, writers, colorists, inkers, letterers, everyone. And I've had a couple of submissions, so I'm going to be reading your comics. Thank you so much for submitting your comics to me, review copies. I really appreciate it. But if you are an independent comic book uh, creator like myself with Zombie Destroyers, and you just would like a little spotlight, like me to check out your work and maybe talk about it, maybe even interview you on the podcast, just hit me up on any of the, of course, social media at Sunspots Comics. And you can even directly email me to uh, chris at sunspotscomics.com. So very cool. Just wanted to remind you of that. And last thing on my nerd brain is I actually am writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yes, I'm writing it, coloring, lettering it. And my friend Jordan Hudson is doing his amazing art. Please check out his art at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art's fantastic. Thank you so much for doing that, Jordan. And also I have the website called zombiedestroyers.com. And I've posted four of the four pages of samples from pages one through four on zombiedestroyers.com and I'm going to be updating it very soon so check it out and we're actually I'm still sort of finalizing pages 13 and 14 in the writing he did get me pages 11 and 12 completed so we've passed the halfway mark it's it's awesome it's exciting and I can't wait to show it to you but please check out zombiedestroyers.com from time to time 
So, also, uh, jumping right into comic book news, this week I have two comic book feel-good factoid freebies. Yes! What are those? Well, it's just when (laughs) there's just some fun, sort of outside-the-box, sort of unique news that honestly makes me feel proud and happy to be involved and to spend all my money on (laughs) a hobby that I love and where there is something a little different that just kind of warms my nerd heart and and directly related to the world of comic books. And this week, uh, there's two. The first one comes from hyperallergic.com, titled, A Conceptual Artist Designs Tactile Comic Books for Blind Readers. Now, I thought, what an interesting concept, right? Uh, from, From... Right now, if you're if you're sight if you're sight impaired, you really just have audiobooks, or even the there is a company that uh, does the that describes comic books with different actors. It's called Graphic Audio, and they'd have different actors come in and sound effects, and that's really all you get. Well, this particular artist has designed a 57-page graphic novel that is using a unique form of braille to tell stories. So he has certain characters that, re- that are represented by certain shapes and repeating patterns. And he has some patterns that are very fine and very small and some that are very large that represent sort of a louder noise or a more, um, a more significant moment. And these raised shapes he put on a wooden board and it's also kind of similar to like Chinese pictograms or even he uses sort of braille letters and Roman alphabet and these these textural descriptions to really give a unique experience to someone that's sight impaired. I thought how very cool. And I can just see this as a jumping off point for taking that technology even further, say by using sound and using storytelling and actors in combination with these graphs and designs and or zigzags uh, where someone can actually a sight impaired person can touch and feel and get a reaction and emotion from using their their hands and then also from from hearing the actors and sound so I think it's a cool jumping off point I think it's going in the right direction and that really gives uh, the people out there that are sight impaired the opportunity to enjoy this beautiful medium of comic books so very very cool and the second article actually ties right in to where there is a, this is from vice.com, where it's, it's titled, Finally, There's a Comic Book Store for the Blind. So this is a site called Comics Empower, and it's an interesting concept here in that the website was designed to put blind and visually impaired customers first by providing original and adapted audio comic books produced in-house, plus audio comics produced by other companies. So it's really kind of putting them all together on one site so they don't have to go everywhere. And even the site itself, it says that it's so uh, designated and designed for people that are visually impaired that it uses these high contrast display and these screen readers that someone that is sight, that has sight, will actually need assistance from a visually impaired person. <laughs> so maybe they took it a little far there, but still very cool that there is really nothing out there for visually impaired people. And this is kind of uh, just you know putting them all together in one place and creating a website where they can go and it has the audio tools and things that they need for a visual, uh, you know, visually impaired person 
to find comics, to click on links, to to maneuver around. So I'll share this, of course, both of these articles on uh, on the social media at Sunspots Comics. But very very cool. Those are my two comic book feel good factoid freebie, and it just ties right into to Daredevil, right? Because he is our sight impaired, the only su- sight impaired superhero, really. So it made me think of him. It made me. Uh, it made me. It made me just feel warm and fuzzy that people that are that are, are visually impaired now can actually enjoy comic books in a way. And I think it's just going to get better. It's just going to improve from there. So very very cool. So with those out of the way, let's get on to my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorite comic books from the new Comic Book Day, August tenth. And of course, spoiler alert. I work extremely hard every week to just harness my powers of persuasion and just trying to inspire you to buy these comic books, to go to a local comic book shop. So I try not to give you all of the absolutely spoilerific details. I especially leave the last couple of pages just alone, but you have been warned, warned, spoiler alert. And if you'd like to see just everything I'm reading, you maybe you're wondering, uh, what are the what's the good stuff that you're reading? Well, and what have been your favorite picks picks uh, in the past since when I started this, which was way back in May of 2015? Just go to sunspotscomics.com. I actually have my 108 titles just recently updated. That's all the comics I'm I'm currently collecting and reading. And all of my top picks from all the way back to May of 2015, you can see those. Just click on the top picks and you'll see those. And I recently just updated, compact and, compacted and simplified the website, so I'm super proud of it. So please check it out. Again, it's just sunspotscomics.com. And this week's art winner, it was just hands down the best of the best this week. And it's the art cover winner and the just art winner this week. One and the same person, Stuart Eminen, for his work on Empress, number five. The icon title written by Mark Millar. And the cover is, let's just start with that, it's gorgeous. It shows the daughter of the primary, of the queen in a fight with uh, just a bunch of bad guys. And she has a staff and she's in this kick-ass pose flying through the air. And she has like orange-like skin and it's just tasty sci-fi goodness set on a backdrop of just white which gives it that really just standing out look and the interior art that's why it's definitely the cover art winner I just kept looking at it over and over again it has this arm hanging down like in the contrast sort of silhouetted it's beautiful it's colored amazingly and the art is just gorgeous just a lot of bright colors on dark backgrounds here which really just the contrast it really makes it stand out and it seems like every two or three pages Stuart Eminen is having to write a different galaxy a different planet a different set of aliens and he and he continually just makes them all look interesting the colors are just vibrant and beautiful and whenever there's fire it's just in this in space and this darkness and it's just it really stands out and it's bright and it's just deliciously colored and like I said there's just a plethora of all types of different aliens shapes sizes facial features expressions and there is a fight sequence in here with the daughter which I'll get into later and a staff where she is backed up against a corner and has no no way out but to, to fight she has no choice to fight her way out of this situation and it is there's no dialogue to it it is just gorgeous this action sequence alone uh, is the reason to buy this comic but it's it's beautiful and this close-up on the facial expressions he just does it the storytelling is through the emotional looks on the faces of each and every character which I say constantly I know is a big seller 
uh, for me. But it it it's the way to tie us in. It's the way to that when when an artist draws so beautifully, it it goes right to our heart and to our minds, and it and it really draws us in and sinks us to the comic, and that's what's happening here. And so uh, we'll get more into Empress later in in the show. But uh, this week I actually bought 14 comic books. And 10 of them made the favorite pick list, which is way over that 50% mark that I like to be at. So this was a great week to just buy all 10 of these. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. There were no new number ones, which is weird. It seems like it's been like 10, 15 weeks in a row. There's always been a new number one. Well, zero on this week. So that's okay. But there is uh, next week I saw there's going to be some. And so here we go. Let's jump right into my favorite comic book picks of the week for a new comic book day. August 10th, so here we go. Coming in at number 10 is Daredevil from Marvel Comics, written by Charles Soule and art by Ron Garney. And Ron Garney's doing a fantastic job at just the way he makes Daredevil look, which is just black and white with red gloves. I love it, and kind of a red belt and red holster. It's awesome. It really stands out in this sort of black and white, very sort of lack of color world that Ron Garney is is drawing here, and it's amazing. The silhouetted sort of action scene at the beginning with Daredevil just kicking ass, throwing the sticks, swinging building to building, jumping headfirst into the void between the space between all these skyscrapers. It's just daredevil goodness folks that you really want that you always want and i love that it's just a he just takes a minute just two or three pages just to remind you that hey he's a superhero he swings he jumps he throws his his weapons and uh he's he he looks awesome while doing it but ultimately at its core this story is kind of a mystery introduction to the next arc which it ultimately uh they've they're void of bad guys the sidekick is his healing he had his arm broken and uh, blind spots healing so he's a little bit out of commission but he's kind of getting back out there and this ultimately is the start of the next arc which i think is going to be really interesting and that's why i would recommend it to you to buy because there is this sort of giant mural made in blood with messages on it and that they're calling the heroes out and who are they we don't know uh i love that that Daredevil has a sidekick here. Blindspot is has this sort of invisible Harry Potter invisibility cloak, which, come on, we love that, right? <laughs> and but he is just his outfits invisible. He's not wearing a cloak, but you know, his his uh, his helmet and his his outfit is it makes him invisible. But he's also really awesome hand to hand ninja style fighter. So this just shows that also Daredevil Matt Murdock is still having difficulty with this new job and he's trying to sort of pay penance for his uh, what he did back in San Francisco to sort of regain uh, the trust of New York lawyers and let him so he's kind of like paying his dues again he's kind of the low man on the totem pole here and I like that he's struggling with it but yet he's he's taking his lumps I mean they're even taking advantage of the new guy and having him work crazy hours and take the crappiest cases but he's I like that his attitude is like hey you know I gotta I gotta take my lumps I gotta put my time in I got to do what I got to do to gain their trust again because he did some stuff in the lawyer world that made him not very respectable. But he's given a chance, so he's trying to make the best of it. And that's another, I'd say, the second part of the core of the story that I'm really liking because Charles Stoll is the writer of this book, is, a, is an attorney. And so you definitely feel the, the real-to-life reflection there in the area of law. So keep it up, Charles Stoll. Fantastic work. 
So coming in at number nine from DC Comics is The Flash Rebirth, number four. This comes from the team of Williamson, Joshua Williamson, who does Birthright. I love his work there. And Neil Googe, or Googie. <laughs> I have you pronounce it. I'm so sorry, Nick. But uh, his art is great here. Just the lines alone of when on all over Flash's outfit, the yellow pencil-like lines that are sort of all over him. I love it. And I love that when he moves, it's sort of the extension of those lines from his suit. It looks fantastic. But at the core, at the very heart of this, it just, this is the feel-good comic book winner of the week. Because Flash's attitude, I mean, there is a ton of Flash-like people with Flash powers running around Central City right now due to this strange uh, explosion of the Speed Force. And so everybody's a Flash. <laughs> well, he doesn't have a bad attitude about that. He's trying to do the right thing. The government has this sort of training facility where they're trying to train people to keep them from wanting to rob banks and become supervillains, etc. And he sort of has embraced this sidekick, this detective that, uh, I guess, a few weeks before the Speed Force explosion, he was individually struck by lightning and became a Flash. And he's this detective and he's trying to partner with him. And he's really embracing that as well. And then he even is taking part in training people in this government, this government facility. And he's really looking more of training people more mentally than he is physically. Like there's just this great panel where he's teaching the team, these group of people that have all just been, you know, imbued with flash powers to look more internally and to to listen to yourself and to try to think fast. And he's just like more in the mental preparation side of having superpowers, which I really thought was a unique, unique approach. It could have been kind of one noted there and just have him running on treadmills or, or running around buildings and doing laps, etc. But he was like he was like telling them to meditate and, and look inside yourself and breathe and, and take a moment. And I, I, I kind of like that. I, I really enjoyed that. And you do get to see a new bad guy who's sort of uh, this uh, swirly tornado bad guy. And uh, there's a little bit of that, I guess, uh, evil baddie of the week kind of feel here, but visually stunning the way this bad guy is sort of a bunch of little dark tornadoes, <laughs> the best way to describe it. And so he's got to team up with this, also this woman that's sort of leading this government uh, compound here and helping all the Flash people in, in training, etc. And uh, there's a little flirting there going back and forth between her. I've already forgot her name, but I like that as well. So it's just, it's so feel good in all, in so many ways. And even what the Flash does in the last couple of pages, I, I can't explain it, but check it out just for that. He's, he's being the Flash and it's just full of heart. And I, that's why it's just so good. And it continually is on my top pick. So please check out Flash Rebirth. You will not be disappointed. Speaking of Joshua Williams, Williamson, the number eight pick is Birthright, number 18. And this is a big turning point in the arc here because ultimately the, char the character Michael is, is going through a dramatic change here. But this is written and created by Joshua Williamson. This is art by Andre Bresson. Gorgeous art, like my number two art winner of the week. And the colorist, we have to give props there too for all of the, the purples and pinks and blues and just this ethereal look which i love that when comics do that with the, with that sort of dark sky pink blue look adriano lucas fantastic colorist he's going to be an eisner winning colorist very very soon but this is action-packed this is michael's grandfather fighting for them he's from that other dimension fighting sort of his friend that he fought with in this other dimension who the friend wants to put michael down and michael disappeared if you don't remember quick synapse of the story uh there was this family and the young son was playing in the woods and then vanished and went to another dimension, came back a few years later, 
and was like 30 years old and the giant sort of Conan the Barbarian looking character. But he's possessed by this strange demon inside of him that has this ulterior motive. And part of it has to do with Michael's, uh, well, older brother, but now he's younger brother because he aged in that other dimension, who is this sort of healer, this this guardian healer. His uh, his younger brother is uh, he's just new to this, but you come to realize their great-grandfather came from that other dimension, so they're basically half other dimensional and half human. So they're all imbued with some sort of power and sorcery type skills. So this is ultimately that separation of that demon inside of Michael and can his younger brother keep it away from him? Can uh, Brennan is his, is his name keep this evil entity out of Michael so that uh, it seems like this evil entity is trying to just bring the other dimension onto Earth and take over Earth? That's ultimately what's happening here. But this is just action pack winner of the week right here. It is just sorcery, it's magic, it's Brennan the light versus that evil demon inside of Michael, the dark, the red, he's very sort of devil looking. And then Michael's uh, baby mama is on earth as well and she's about ready to give birth. So apparently uh, people from other dimensions cannot be born on our planet, something happens. So there's that tension building there and what's going to happen to their unborn child or is it going to kill them both or what's gonna happen? And she sort of has some help with uh, Michael's mother and this other sort of sorcerer woman that's been living on Earth for a long period of time who you don't really know if she's good or bad. And I like that character. She's just sort of playing both sides and she sort of seems to be evil, I think. But she brings him into this awesome library. It's like the, the Sorcerer Sanctorum with all these awesome books, these sorcery books. And she's going to try to find a way in these books to find out if that... Uh, if someone uh, of another dimension yet her child is half human can give birth to a child in earth or something some sort of time space continuum rip of the, the fabric of the universe happen <laughs> they're not sure but this is just full of action it's full of beautiful art and this demon is not wanting to let go of michael's spirit he's going to fight and so brennan's just new to these sort of healing like guardian powers that are sort of shaped like this awesome spirit tiger inside of them. I love the visual of that. So very, very cool. That's why it's my number eight pick of the week. And Birthright has been up there. Look at my past picks. Birthright has been up there, folks. Deservedly so. And my number seven pick of the week is from Marvel Comics, Amazing Spider-Man. Number 16. This is written by Dan Slott. Art by the fantastic Giuseppe Camincoli. His art is amazing. And cover... By Alex Ross, which is gorgeous of Spider-Man sort of holding this building from falling apart. One uh, Alex Ross seems to be, he had, I, w I mean he's gorgeous, amazing artist, but the last few amazing Spider-Man covers have been, I don't know, a little simpler. Seemed like he maybe rushed him a smidge. This he seemed to slow down, take his time, and back a little more to classic Alex Ross. And it's, it's just amazing, folks. Put your eyes on it. It's gorgeous. And this is a introduction to another new art coming up that's going to be very interesting. We're, they've already been talking about sort of the Clone Saga series coming back. And sure, most people are worried. But come on, that was a long time ago. I'm filled with hope. I'm hoping it's going to be good. And a lot of people didn't like the sort of Clone Saga that happened back in the 90s. And I I was I collected it. I got through it. I, I enjoyed most of it. I think I did fall out of Spider-Man kind of shortly after it was all sort of over. But this is sort of teasing that it's coming again. And so Jay Jameson Sr. collapsed at the end of last episode. We don't know why. It wasn't related to anything. 
he's just very old and he collapsed and Aunt May is married to to Mr. J. Jameson Sr. and she's obviously very worried. Peter's worried. He's like, look, I'm a billionaire. Let's throw billions of dollars into this. We'll figure it out. And he just happens to be approached by this, this other lab here, this other woman that uh, has, her name is Dr. Clarkson, and she's from some other, like a, another uh, billionaire conglomerate laboratory that has some new technology that they feel can help J. Jameson Sr. So Peter's a little bit desperate. He's like, let's just do it. Whatever technology is, I don't really care. He's kind of jumping in with, with both feet, not really knowing what it's all about. And you can tell here that it's leading to the sort of clone era, I think, that we're about to... or clone event maybe it's just going to be some you know a short event who knows end of summer event maybe but one thing i really like about spider-man right now is i know that i mean all the characters in marvel are sort of being changed and they're very different and yes peter parker's changed but it's still peter parker i mean you have you know thor is uh somebody else and you have iron man's going to be somebody else and and it's all fine they're all good but it's it's kind of nice to have a mixture so it's at least peter parker's still peter parker it sort of takes place in what seems like a very accessible continuity with Peter Parker. He's just uh, the, the president of a billion-dollar conglomerate, PI Industries, and that makes sense. It just You just have to roll with it, whatever that has happened in the past. It just kind of makes sense. It feels right, and that's what I like about this. So if you're missing Spider-Man, you want to jump in, jump in to say 935. Uh, I mean, not 935. Um, <laughs> I wish they, they kept the original numbers. That's probably where it is. But uh, Amazing Spider-Man, like 10 or 12 in that area and it it won't be disappointed because it's just good spider-man story and the, the best part of it honestly is this sequence that he has the spider cycle and i love that it's this awesome looking way future tech spider-man cycle and it's a ton of fun and it goes up the building it's got like four wheels that are connected with these cool headlights and then it's like this arachnid that jumps into like four arms and it does some cool stuff. I don't want to blow all of it for you, but it just is a great visual. And I got to say, if there was like a, an action figure of this, Spider-Man, and I do, uh, people don't like the sort of neon eyes. I do. It's just something. I don't know. It just pops for me. But I'd buy it if it were an action figure right now. I would. So I'm keeping my eye out for one. If you see a good one, let me know. Like a good modern current Spider-Man action figure. I mean, it's got to be good, though, folks. <laughs> but anyway, that's why it's my number seven. It was Amazing Spider-Man. Always fun to read. I'm always looking forward to it. And my coming in at number six is DC Universe Rebirth Batman Detective Comics 938 from DC. And, man, what a long title. Fantastic cover, by the way. Just the Bat Team with the Orphan, uh, Robin, and Clayface in action fighting the, bat the Batman from the Colony. And it starts out with a great sequence here, father-daughter sequence, where Mr. Kane is having a with like this nice conversation with uh, Cassandra Kane. No, that's not her first name. But anyway, there, <laughs> it's uh, it's the current uh, Batwoman, and you know the long red flowing hair is having a conversation with her father, and they're looking at they're at a grave site where they're looking at their um, her mother's grave. It's just touching, and it's um. It's that sort of military gravesite where all the gravestones are the same, and it's just this sea of gravestones, and it sets this this sort of heavy tone right here. But they have a great conversation, and ultimately, what um, the the father says is like, "Hey, what do you want to do? Like, just tell me what you want to do, and I promise we'll do it." And the daughter says, "Like, I want to be a soldier like you, Dad." And it's just 
it's just it it gets you there it's it's heart-wrenching and it's it's a, a very sweet and, and loving sort of father-daughter moment which of course is ironic because uh general colonel black ops kane here is the sort of primary villain that's leading this colony of batman to sort of take over gotham that's the only sort of thing that's odd is you don't necessarily know what their mission is like they're just a ton of batman that have been stealing bat tech and watching batman for years and learning his every move kind of for what not really sure but <laughs> anyway they are at odds with the current bat team and it's interesting that they have Clayface in here but the whole first beyond the sequence of father daughter that's very solemn and sweet and a little heartbreaking it's just action-packed and there's a scene here with the orphan which i wanted to see more of it they sort of had this fight scene happen out of panel and i wanted to see it because she is uh my favorite uh, batgirl batwoman which is cassandra and uh she is she's amazing here and i like i, I kind of wish she wasn't the orphan and just back to the the batgirl outfit but uh Whatever, it's fine. She's really, really good here. I love their use of Clayface. He's just kind of the Groot of the gang, and he's squashing people, and he's morphing into a large, gigantic uh, clay-like figure, and it's uh, it, they're inside the colony compound, and they're, it, it seems like this is kind of wrapping up. Like I kind of had this feeling like the, the Batmen, this colony, that all have sort of bat-like tech, were going to be around for a lot longer, but... If this is kind of feeling like it's going to be the final showdown. So there is a bad guy, sort of young tech guy that's hilarious because he's like a huge Batman fan and everything he does. He kind of fanboys out to Batman, but yet is there to follow orders and and put Batman down. <laughs> but I just, I love it all. It's a great concept. It's, it's interesting to see Clayface and the team. And I love that Robin... Red Robin, they still he's still referenced here as Red Robin, but he's wearing the Robin outfit, is super smart, super into the bat tech, and he's going against toe-to-toe -to -toe with the other colony bat tech guy, and it's it's half the story is that, as the two of them and how they can sort of who's gonna out tech each other. <laughs> but I really like that. So check out Batman Detective Comics 938. So good. And uh, coming in at number five is The Vision from Marvel Comics, number 10, written by Tom King, coloring by Jordi Berlair. I know I uh, jumped over the artist, but Gabriel Hernandez Walta is the artist, and he is doing... This is the creep, creepy winner of the week. <laughs> and this is like the most horrifically dysfunctional robotic family you could ever imagine. Uh, the wife slash Vision robot murdered a supervillain and buried them in the backyard... And uh, the Vision has decided to cover that up. This is sort of still the aftermath of that. And they had this other son of Vision. Like, I want to say his like, last name is Mancha. And he... a uh, Victor Mancha. And he killed their son. The Vision's little son. I want to say his name's Vin. I'm horrible with names. But yeah, Vin is his name. And Mancha killed their son. And they won't. They are not able to reactivate him for some reason. Uh, he's he's or he's sort of organically slash robotically designed, but for some reason they are feeling like this death is permanent. That they can't just rebuild their son. I mean, he was made in their essence. I don't know why they gloss over that. But anyway, you got to move on. Forget that part of it. 
But this is the aftermath. The wife is creepy. She sits in the dark and repeats certain words over again, 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 like that. I can hear it happening. Even their dog with the creepy white eyes and the dog phases through the door. And, and when he tries to even just barely face the door, then you realize they are on house arrest because this electricity bolts the dog. They are not allowed to leave or even get near the doors. So hmm, Iron Man and the Avengers have put them on house arrest. And they're contemplating this. They're, they're, he's thinking about something. They don't really hammer out what the Vision is thinking here. But you can tell just from the overall sort of feeling of it, which is creepy, is that he does not feel right about Mancha murdering their son and something has to be done. And the Avengers are like on standby. They sort of know that if the Vision decides to go after Mancha, then they're going to need the entire Avengers unit to fight the vision yeah he's that powerful so it seems like it's this is wrapping up I, I don't know how much longer they can keep this going uh the vision family on house arrest this insanely dysfunctional robotic family it's super creepy they're always sitting in the dark with these glowing white eyes there's even a scene where the vision takes out one eyeball and lays it on a on a table and watches old videos to where he was where he was actually being a horrible father <laughs> and he's watching them and feeling sad that his son is gone and at the same time realizing how bad of a dad he was and it's just a it's a yeah it's 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 creepy and a little heartbreaking and sad that you know even this synthetic synthoid is uh feeling bad for his parental duties yeah crazy but uh check out vision it's it's eyes it's going to be multi eisner winner it's uh, going to be it's it's going to win all the awards it's it's dramatic and it's heavy and i i, I don't uh i just feel a little disturbed from it after i read it but uh, you know in a good way it's it is sparking that emotion and it's a uh, it's creep factor 10 folks and it's vision number 10 but check it out so coming in at number four from my favorite comic book publisher titled Albatross Funny Books, uh, it's Hillbilly, number two by Eric Powell. He wrote it, penciled it, inked it, slightly colored it because it's just this sort of black and white. Well, it's not even black and white. It has this sort of lime green feel to it. So it feels like it's old and it feels like it's otherworldly because it's not quite black and white, but it's... It's lightly penciled, not heavily inked, and in this sort of lime green shade. And then every now and then, boom, he hits you with a splash of like color or red or black or even just white. But that's the really the color tone. There's some strange little orange splashes. All of a sudden, there's just this orange page. But it's gorgeous art. Eric Powell, folks. Look at the goon and the buzzard and chimichanga, which I already chuckle thinking of that very title. I know chimichanga's coming back. So check out Chimichanga. That's his title, correct? And it's it, it is a delicious food uh, product, but it's also a hilarious comic, Chimichanga by Eric Powell. But this, going back into Hillbilly, he's definitely of that sort of goon-like uh, character that is carrying this this the Devil's Cleaver, and I like that that it's some sort of cursed Devil's Cleaver. And the Hillbilly is blind, but he sees. He has that sort of daredevilly like aspect he sees in some other kind of way and his eyes look like they're always sort of bleeding this black sludge maybe that's just from the black and whitish coloring but this is where the the hillbilly believes he sees the vision of death 
but it's actually the buzzard, which is another character that has had his own little mini run that Eric Powell created and was also infused into the Goon series. So it's cool to see him again. He's like this crazy looking dark witch man and uh, or Morlock or Warlock, whatever they call him. But this is where the hillbilly stumbles across this little village and there is this woman that was, they say, uh, put a, a spell was put on her from this evil witch. And so they tell Hillbilly that the only way to save her is to go to this insanely looking creepy tree and bring the roots back from this tree that kills people. Where there's like bones laid upon the feet, the foot of this tree. And yeah, they say, go, you know, that's the only way to do it. Hillbilly just takes on the challenge. He's like, well, I'll, I'll do it. His speech pattern is amazing. I can't do an impression of it, but it's very southerly twisted and very minimal. Uh, and, and he sort of says exactly what he means the man a few words and he goes to the tree and the tree is evil and the the tree is creepy and deformed and twisted and and is even recognizes the devil's cleaver and they have a little they have a little showdown that's all i'm gonna say because it wraps up really fast after that (laughs) this goes by so quick it seemed like there was only 19 pages maybe maybe 18 pages seems very very short but worth the money, folks. And it was hard to find. My local comic book shop said it's in such low print that they had difficulty getting it on time. I think it actually came out a few weeks ago, but just got it now. So it's going to be tough to find, but you can just uh, get it right from his side, actually, and buy it direct. I say do it. It's worth the money. It's $3.99, and you pay a couple bucks for shipping and handling. whoop de do. But it's worth it. Hillbilly is good stuff, folks. So is the goon. So is the buzzard. So is Chimichanga. So is everything that he's done. If I've missed anything, is super fantastic. But that's why it's a high pick for me here. I'm loving this series. I can't wait to see where it goes. I hope that the goon and Hillbilly meet each other. I'm just saying it. it's going to be like a Batman versus Superman. It's going to be like Iron Man versus Captain America. They're both sort of good guys and sort of <laughs> ish. But I can see the two of them coming together and taking up the same space. I hope that happens. Please, Eric Powell, make that happen. I would love that. So here we go. Now we're breaking down into the top three comic books. So here we go, top three. Coming in number three is from DC Comics, Harrow County, number 15. This is written by Colin Bunn and and drawn beautifully by Tyler Crook, who has this gorgeous, 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 gorgeous watercoloring style. I love that in the opening page, he takes the left side and right side where normally it's just sort of set for credits and infuses it into this two-page panel splash. So it does feel like you're getting 23 or 24 pages, which is nice for the price of $3.99. The more you get, the better, the more art especially. And I love the way that in the water, this sort of shoreline, it, it reads out Harrow County. And you can kind of hardly see it. He does that in every comic. You have to sort of look at that first sequence. And Harrow County is written out in smoke or written out in tree leaves or written out in the water. But kind of a cool little Easter egg. I, for the most part, I've, I've seen them all because I you pick it up early on. If, you, if you're like me and you read a comic three or four times and just look at the pages over and over, uh, you'll definitely see it. But if you run through a comic really fast, you're going to miss it. So don't miss it. That's my advice. Read it slow. Just soak it in. But... Oh, the sequence, this sort of flashback to where we're seeing the original witch that sort of started all these problems with Harrow County that they eventually hung from a tree and buried underneath this evil rotting tree. They, I love the way they don't show her face fully. It's so creepy, so frightening. And, and the way her hair just sort of runs down the front of her face, this black hair. 
and she's just wearing she's just full of dirt and grime and blood and she's sculpting humans out of mud and her own blood here that actually take on life so she's like creating her little mud clone army here and they live in this town harrow or this county harrow county is sprinkled with not real people but of these sort of mud blood creatures that are designed to really just they're to be her minions to follow her and they're still there generations after she's been dead and this is showing that little flashback and then we're introduced more into this sort of family of witches that were part of her family and it's an interesting little bunch of characters you have to see them all i don't know all their names <laughs> or remember them but each one is uniquely designed and really stands out you have like a bearded man that reminds me of like a Hagrid with a with a dark black hair and jet white beard. And he's just sort of a kind of a hillbilly looking character with a white tank top. And then you have um, like a New Orleans uh, woman that looks, she's probably the most ordinary out of them. Then you have sort of a witch that's knitting this, uh, this red patterned uh, long sort of scarf or something. But she's always knitting it and she has these crazy looking witch hands. And you have like an almost walking zombie looking guy. He's got a white pulled back like almost no skin on his face. A little bit like the, the Red Skull in Marvel, but he's just his face is white. And then you have a and then you have this sort of southern gentleman that I guess is also very normal looking, but just he's just seems very evil. So they're all part of the witch that again started all this uh, in Harrow County. And they're, she's sort of defecting from the group and she's not getting along. And they all sort of, it, it's changing them from being maybe they're witches to something a little more elemental. And I really like that here. They're giving an origin, but they don't even know how long they've been around. They've just been walking the earth and just doing things. And they're, they're sort of like, uh, who knows, maybe angels or demons, something cast out of uh, heaven. Who knows? But they don't really even know their origin yet. They all have sort of witch-like powers. They don't all seem like good but they're telling Emmy here that there is a certain rule. They have a certain sort of code that they live by. And they really aren't supposed to affect humans in such a dramatic way. They, they sort of need to just be muses and just sort of slightly influence. But what the witch did in Harrow County is all wrong. And they want to sort of help create, you know, clean it up. And they're explaining that to Emmy slowly and surely. Like there's some, even a simple sequence here. Where Emmy goes into a like a soda fountain shop and has like a like a milkshake, and it's just so gorgeously drawn. And even this woman, that's this witch, that's explaining something to her, like that. Even what she's doing here, having a milkshake with people, is bad because they really truly just fear her. And she doesn't. Emmy didn't really see that, and it is like sort of a little sad awakening that Emmy realizes that they're not being nice to her in this town. She is. A child of that witch they buried and they're trying to live with her and accept her but they all fear her and it's a little bit of an awakening for her and it also I think takes the comic into a, a, a bigger picture a larger world which that's why I really love this and I can't recommend it anymore it's just it's beautiful work it's lovingly uh, just colored with that watercoloring style and there is a cliffhanger at the end here but Ultimately, they're, like I said, it's the family of sort of witches that are telling Emmy that what she's doing in Harrow County is not right. Do they just have an evil motive? I'm not sure. Is Emmy on the right path to just trying to just be good and and do good uh, by all the people in Harrow County? You don't really know. And 
how many people are real and how many are mud creatures created by the witch. So it really opens up and asks a ton of ton of questions here and it's beautifully done and the story is amazing and creepy and dark but also that 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 glimmer of hope and and the emmy character that you're really rooting for and that's what the heart of it is you're rooting for this little girl that's just trying to do good in this evil county filled with witchcraft so anyway my number two pick of the week is a kind of a surprising pick for me as i'm battling out my titles here and trying to figure out which is making it to the top three i wasn't expecting this to make it as high as it did initially but after rereading it i realized how much i really love this and it's from Marvel Comics, Star Wars, Darth Vader number 24. So number 25 is it. They're, they've, they're canceling it, or maybe not canceling They're completing the series and ending the series at number 25. So I'm, I'm happy and I'm sad. I do want more Darth, more Darth Vader, especially from reading this particular issue. But in a way, it's uh, nice that it's going to be ending. I hope it ends really strong. This will be nicely collected. I love this in a, in a hardbound. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll do one day a Darth Vader Volume 2 and after a little while. But the Star Wars title is going to keep going. But Darth Vader is ending at number 25. So this is uh, written by uh, Kieran Gillen and artist Salvador La Roca, who's just fantastic. And uh, the, the crawl at the beginning explains that Darth Vader is fighting... Uh, this this group, this this man, I want to say his name is Silo. That's right, he's Silo. And he's like this evil general that's fighting Darth Vader. And Darth Vader's ultimately hiding a secret as well that he was sort of plotting against the Emperor and hired this other woman behind the this Dr. Alpha, Alpha uh, behind the Emperor's back. And so he doesn't want that information to get to the Emperor. Because uh, he's afraid of the fall. Dr. Afra, That's her name. Alpha. Alf Afra. And Silo's looking to end Darth Vader. It's just the two of them fighting. The last issue, uh, Silo has a remote control that just, boom, turns off Darth Vader's suit. And he can control it with one button? <laughs> I thought, you know, that's very simple. Like, uh, was it just on and off? Uh, I guess so. That's really all it is. But he turns off Darth Vader's outfit. And now... Does his breathing apparatus stop? Is he just going to die? You don't really know, but he has time to chain him up. So Darth Vader's chained up here. Uh, Silo pressed the red button. Uh, Darth Vader's down on his knees. And then you see this sort of amazing dream sequence. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of dream sequences. So initially, I'll be honest, when we jumped right into this, and it was in Episode 6 of Star Wars Episode 6, you see the scene where Anakin is uh, no arms or no arm, no legs, climbing up that little dirt mountain on that lava planet. And I kind of rolled my eyes at first, I'll be honest. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Um, <laughs> but the likeness of uh, the actor that uh, plays Anakin there, Salvador La Roca, spot on. But also a little bit of a twist and unique. They show his eyes close up where it's got that red and yellow in his eyes. And you have uh, the one line that still kind of gives me the chills from episode six, Star Wars, the movie, where Obi-Wan Kenobi yells, you are the chosen one. And it just gave me chills right now. <laughs> I wish I could do a better impression. And uh, he just like says, I loved you, Anakin. And, and Anakin yells out, you're a liar and a coward. And it's just that it's that one emotional moment in that movie that really hits. And still, I look forward to watching when I 
put the uh, prequels in. It's that final moment. And it's twisted in that uh, uh, Hans, um, Obi-Wan lifts up the body of Anakin and throws him into the lava. <laughs> so you're like, whoa. Now, if he would have done that, Obi-Wan would have lived, right? <laughs> He'd still be alive or man, maybe lived past uh, episode four. Spoiler! Come on now, if you haven't seen the original Star Wars. But that whole dream sequence is great, and then it's sort of reminiscent of that that, that part in the cave. Remember your failure in the cave? <laughs> when Luke fights the image of Darth. Well, it's Darth Vader fighting Anakin here now. So he rises from the, the lava with his arms and legs, and he's fighting Darth Vader. And Darth Vader uh, just is brutal to Anakin. And it's I know there's some symbolism here I'm probably missing, but it's like... He even hears the voice of Padme, and you see an image of Padme here, pregnant, and she's saying, like, stay with me, and it's a little heart-wrenching, and we know ultimately it's a it's a dream, it's it's a flash-weird sequence, so maybe it's the Force speaking to him, you're not really sure, but when Darth Vader wakes up, it, the, the comic quickly comes to an end, and what happens there, I don't want to spoil it, but that is the core of it, is this great, just flashbacks, dream sequence, or maybe a Force, a force vision. And even what Darth Vader says about the Force here is spot on. And establish him, again, Darth Vader is a badass, what he's supposed to be. It's written how, what you expect, what you want. And it's just so well done. And I'm excited to, like, show this one to people. Like, hey, just look here. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they did in the Darth Vader comic. Like, just check it out. It's just a little, just a little smidge here in this dream sequence or Force. I'm going to call it a, a, a Force vision. Because it's just so very detailed and it it also is just this internal struggle that Anakin's dealing with from light to dark. And it, it's really well done here and I love it. And uh, I read it five or six times and it, it hit me every single time. And, and, and it even to the point where it inspired me to like go put in episode six and rewatch it. And maybe just fast forward to the end. But <laughs> anyway, fantastic. That's why it's my number two pick of the week. Go back and grab Darth Vader. Wait till it's in this hardbound collection and get them all. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And my number one pick of the week, though, which is also the art winner and the art cover winner of the week, is from Icon Comics Empress. Issue number five, written by Mark Millar. And gorgeous, beautiful, fantastic, inspiring, delicious, vibrant. I mean, I can't think of any more adjectives for it. Art by Stuart Eminen. And my goodness. It's just velvety, it's delicious, it's gorgeous. There's like almost like a trash compactor scene here from episode four where the daughter of the queen and the baby are in, and the young son, the kind of Will Robinson sort of character, are instead of sort of a prison room, they're thrown into like kind of a trash compactor room. But, but the uh, young son is like uh, very handy with these stuff, so he's, he's just, it's not a junkyard to him. It's, it's a part supply store. <laughs> so he's gathering up to build something to get them out of there. And then we're actually, we get to see the king, which I want to say his name was Morax. I could be totally wrong on that. And I don't know why that popped into my head. But this is supposed to be Earth a gazillion years ago. And with this super hyper technology where they bounce planets and they've, they've, they've got uh, space traveling technology and light speed, etc. But it's supposed to be millions of years ago on like on and near earth but they're on other planets this planet's called Aramis and this just shows you again why the king why they're running from the king when he is on this planet looking for information because 
our group here, which was Dane and the Queen and her three kids and uh, Dane's friend that has this sort of portal-like device that allows them to jump from planet to planet through this portal, awesome portal device. So King Morax is hot on their trail, visits a planet where they had bounced briefly, and when they give him the information he wants, he tells them to destroy them all. (laughs) He said, like, execute them. So because he needs to make sure that the people know that he just doesn't let them get off easy if they're harboring or helping or see his family and don't stop them and capture them. So the entire galaxy is after this family. And it's kicking it up a notch here by what Morax is doing by executing this this innocent group of aliens on this planet that just didn't catch them. They saw them, the family, but didn't capture them. So death. So yeah, you're you're quickly uh, you quickly remember here why they're running, and that's really all you need because it's such a simple story in that respect. The queen just didn't want to be married to the guy anymore. She's out. She's hitting the road with their sort of top general, and there's really no love interest there. You would think that, that would be just kind of an easy, like a no-brainer, like a easy box to check, like make them be in love with each other. But no, they just seem to be friends. He sort of respects the queen. He respects the kids, and he's doing whatever he can to keep them alive. And Every three or four pages are on a different planet here. And the, the real fun stuff here is where they're on this sort of lava-like planet. Very episode six-like lava planet. And there's this tribe that's taken them to uh, to their deaths because they're separated. The, you've got the older daughter and the uh, young son and their like nine-month-old uh, sibling uh, that, are, that are hostage, that are imprisoned. And you have uh, Dane and his buddy with that cool morphing... Uh, transport device and the queen in one place and they're just trying to repair their ship get out of that planet and find their kids find her kids and they're going to be sacrificed they they this this tribe of aliens feel that these uh these these humanoids that crash land on their planet have to be thrown into a pit of lava very like indiana jones temple of doom like here so i'd say that's why i loved it as well because i love that movie and then they're quickly like back in space. So it's just all over the place. It's sci-fi fun that you just want to continue to look at. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Stuart Eminem out of this world. It's not a heavy-duty plot. It's not just ton. It's not a ton and ton and ton of dialogue. It's very simple. It's get away from the king. He's bad. Uh, queen, live alone. Kids, move on. And, and again, the core of this too is this action sequence with the older daughter and she has a staff, and she's fighting them, and there's no words in it. It's like three page of just action. That's some of the most beautifully drawn action sequences I've seen in a super long time. I can't stress it enough. It's gorgeous just for that aspect. She's kicking, sliding, jumping, thwacking, smashing, kicking, punching. It's just so much fun, and there's laser beams, and it's sci-fi action, and she's got this crazy orange skin. But that is like kind of the heart of it. It's just this awesome sci-fi action fun, and I love it. Get Empress. Get them all. Get them immediately. Trust me. You'll want to show your friends. you want to show people. The art is so friggin' amazing. And that's why it's my number one pick of the week for New Comic Book Day, August 10th. So there you go, folks. There is the show. Those are my recommendations. Please go to a local comic book shop and just buy these immediately and tell them that Chris at Sunspots Comics sent you. They won't know who I am, but who cares? Do it anyway. It'll be fun. <laughs> and if you have any questions, comments, or maybe you just want like a personal comic book recommendation, just email me directly, chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I actually choose your email and I discuss it on a future podcast, I will send you a small free comic book prize just as a thank you from me. 
And please uh, sign up for our newsletter. Just hit sunspotscomics.com slash contact. I'm going to be starting a little monthly newsletter there very soon. And please tune in next week. I'm actually reading 14 new comics. It seems like that's the magic number. Last three or four weeks have been 14. Uh, for August 17th, new comic book day. It's a good-sized pull. And there are three or potentially four new number ones coming out that I'm hoping to check out that my local comic book shop will pull aside for me and I can check out and tell you all about them. So you can get in and jump in on the fun when it's brand spanking new, number one. So thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please go to iTunes. Just give me a, a positive review and five stars. I'd really appreciate it. I will give you a shout out and thank you if you do so on iTunes and give me a review. So thank you so much and see you next week. And don't forget to be water, my friends. That's right. Be water. See you next week. Bye-bye. Buy some comics. Bye-bye.
Comics Town